Hello and welcome inside another episode of Take to Take. Patrick Town joined once again alongside Nick Robinson and Luke Burroughs. Gentlemen, how are we doing Patrick. today? Hello, Patrick. Hi, Pat. Hi. Uh, glad to be back with you guys. Uh, last episode, we talked a little bit about some of the series that were still going on in the first or the qualifying round, I should say. But that is all done and we are well underway in the first official round of the NHL playoffs. Um, before we touch on the series, the biggest news out of the NHL is the NHL draft lottery, Alexi Lafreniere, most likely, I don't want to say going, but New York Rangers uh, is the first overall pick. That's the story. He's, he's going to New York. I don't know, but the, I, I could see a situation with the centers they have. They're pretty strong on the wing of them taking a center. Uh, that way you have a, a good uh, one-two as a Benajad and Byfield. I'm not saying, I think it's a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out, but they're probably going to go Lafreniere, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out. Anyway, your thoughts, Rangers first overall pick. What do we think? I'm pretty I like out of all the teams it could have been I'm I'm pretty happy with the Rangers I think I said Rangers or Wild I'd be okay with like top two and the only reason I wouldn't want the Wild is because that was Vancouver's but then I realized someone told me they do it like alphabetically or something right but um no the Rangers because Rangers weren't making the playoffs anyways um and that original pick that team TBD pick that um won the first draft lottery was in some way Winnipeg's right and the Rangers had I think 0. 0.001 um differential of point percentage compared to the Jets so I'm like I'm pretty happy that that's and from the NHL's perspective that's probably the most normal scenario so I'm pretty content with it yeah from a business standpoint I think that the NHL is loving this because obviously the New York Rangers are one of their most profitable teams and one of the most easily marketable, recognizable teams. So any chance that they're getting now to load them up with talent, like it's good for the NHL, Capo Caco last year. And now uh, I'm still thinking it's going to be Alexi Lafreniere. I know I get what you're saying, Pat, with Byfield and the Rangers being a little weaker down the middle than the wing. But if I'm the New York Rangers, well, I, I would probably take Byfield if I was the New York Rangers, to be honest. But um, I know from probably what that organization is thinking. They're probably looking for a player that's going to make an immediate impact. And I think we can all agree that Alexi Lafreniere is more likely to make that immediate impact compared yeah. to Quentin Byfield. So I, yeah, really I would ag- still think they're going to take him. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I know Nick and I were both pretty high on, on Quentin Byfield. Um, I think they will go La- Lafreniere. I just wouldn't rule out the possibility of Byfield making that jump. But um, I would agree. I think it's, uh, you look at the revenue the NHL lost, given the entire COVID pandemic. So that's obviously a good thing for them. As a Habs fan, I am frustrated. Luke and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, the Rangers are an organization that irritates me just as a Habs fan. You look at the... I disagree with that, by the way. So you disagree with the, that the Rangers irritate me as a Habs fan? No, I disagree with your reasoning why the Rangers are an irritating team. Why do you think I think they're an irritating team? Because you said they get lucky and they seem to get all the, the right... In a way, they locked in... They lucked into to getting Adam Fox. He was basically gifted. Truba kind of bullied his way there. At the time, Truba's not good, but Truba kind of bullied his way, way there. Stuff like they, that happens all the time. I know, but they won, they won the Caco. Well, they lucked their way into the top three. They were not supposed to be in the top three. Look at how high they jumped to get the top three. They signed the marquee guy in Panarin. That's not a, an issue with the organization. It's just frustrating. It seems like the Rangers got the guy. I'm happy Lafreniere is going there. He's going to do well in that market. It's exciting for a big market like New York to have that player. But as a Habs fan, there's also, you have to understand, it'd be like, I don't know who, who Vancouver's rival would be. I'm not saying New York is Montreal's rival, 
Like yeah, I, more, I use the example. In that series. I use the example of like Dallas, like same conference, but there's not really any. But there is really some if, with Montreal and in, in yeah. New York. Okay. I guess that usually happens when you have a recent playoff series yeah. against each other. Last time the yeah. Montreal Canadiens were in the playoffs, they had it with New York. Same thing with Ottawa. They don't really have a rivalry with Pittsburgh, but it's a little yeah. nasty every time they play, they play Pittsburgh. Uh, Ottawa sort of has that with the New York Rangers as well. They played them a couple of times. But, no, I get what you're saying, Pat. Obviously, New York, I think, definitely has needed a lot of luck to sort of accelerate their rebuild. They probably would have gotten to this juncture that they're at right now eventually. But I think the fact that they've really been gifted two lottery picks in the way they have the past couple of years, I think it definitely has accelerated the process for them. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's definitely sped it up. It's not an issue. Yeah, it's not an issue with them. But you have to – Look at the luck. I'm not, Panarin wasn't luck, but that just kind of helped. That was sort of like an immediate sort of expedited the process. Right, and um, that, that's that's the pull of the big market team. That's yeah. an advantage New York has that a lot of teams don't have. Yeah, and that's not their fault. But nope. um, moving on. Yep, sure, Luke. On. Okay, let's touch on some of the first round series. Uh, there was one in the West we're going to touch on before we move on to the East because we're going to touch on a little bit more. Uh, a couple of series in the Eastern Conference. That is Edmonton, Chicago. So before, I don't know who everyone predicted. I think I predicted Chicago. Uh, I also predicted Chicago. Luke, you went with Edmonton, I believe. I probably would have gone with Edmonton. I don't remember. but So Chicago won. That was a fun series. Um, a lot of people are criticizing McDavid, Drysdale, rightfully so. Uh, their GM said they need to be battle-tested a little bit more. What do we think? What do we think of Edmonton's playoff performance? I wouldn't say battle-tested a bit more. I think, obviously, without McDavid and Dreisaitl dragging the Edmonton Oilers, they're not in this position this year. There's not a lot on that team other than McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins, and they've got a couple of other solid players. But obviously, without those two superstars, they're not here. But I do think there is something to the notion, and I think Ken Holland got into it a bit, that perhaps McDavid and Dreisaitl have to almost alter the way they play because I think the two of them are so focused on scoring and getting the Oilers the goals they need that they do forget about the other side of hockey, which is their defense. So we've got a chart here. This is courtesy of evolvinghockey.com. Uh, it's a little comparison of McDavid and Dreisaitl. And as you can see there, the blue bars on their offensive stats, their goal for goals for per 60, X, XGEF, and uh, Corsi for and then, obviously, the expected goals against and chance against uh, per 60. Very, very weak. Almost bottom tier defensively in the league. It's replacement level defense, essentially, is what it is. But Ken Holland is in a predicament when he's criticizing those two, almost asking them to change the way they play. Because now, if McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't as focused on offense, do they score the goals that Edmonton needs to get them into the playoffs? Yeah, It's a big question. And I think it's easy to criticize the star players. It usually happens whenever a team loses. You're going to look at the, at the bigger guys, and that's fine. And you can criticize McDavid. You can criticize Drysdale for their defense. But you ha it always comes back to, especially with Edmonton, the roster construction, the players that these guys are surrounded with. It's not good. Shirelli destroyed that team. And you can, you can criticize McDavid and Drysdale for their performance in this series. I thought McDavid was unbelievable, obviously. We all saw what he was doing. But – these guys need support. It doesn't matter how good these are. These guys are. It doesn't matter how good they are together as a one-two. They need the help. So it's also the onus is on Ken Holland as well to to improve the team around them. 
Right. And uh, I think a lot of it too. Ken Holland has still only had one season at the helm of the Oilers. So I think maybe with a bit more time, he can sort of uh, construct a roster how he wants to do it. Obviously, they were a lot better this year than previous years. They got good goaltending finally from Koskinen specifically. I think we all knew maybe going with Mike Smith in game one sort of just absolutely blew that game. That was the wrong decision from Dave Tippett. But back to McDavid and Dreisaitl, I think him wanting them to be more defensively responsible, again, it's a correct claim uh, statistically, analytically, any way you look at it. Those two aren't good in their own zone. He's not wrong there. But again, there's no way that those two can alter the way they play without having a better roster and a better supporting cast. That's that's how I see it. Luke, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I'm, I, th- I think I kind of agree with you guys on all points. I don't think you can really criticize uh, those two. And obviously they need something to, to help them out. But I think one thing everyone kind of just needs to think about, and I would say the same thing for the Toronto series, but I am a bit more passionate about some changes they need to make. Um, it was a five-game series under really unusual circumstances. Chicago is obviously a great playoff team. They're still a great team in general. Um, like Taves had a Taves had himself a series. And I think, yeah, Edmonton lost in four games. I don't know. Obviously people are going to read into it, but maybe it's not as big of a deal as, uh, as people think. But um, I think, I think getting McDavid and Dreisaitl some support uh, shouldn't be something that people are realizing. And I, and I wouldn't say like you guys, for example, I wouldn't say you guys are, but that shouldn't be something people are just realizing now after they've lost to Chicago. I don't, I don't think there's any massive revelation that's come from that series. I think Chicago got the better of them over four games uh, and still McDavid and Dreisaitl don't need help. So I, I would agree with that completely. I think at the same time, Credit to Chicago with the way they played. Nick, we talked about it earlier. I'm not. I'm not. I'm never going to bet against Patrick Kane in the playoffs. Jonathan Taves. Jonathan Taves. He wasn't even been, the star of the series. That exactly. Was, I, I thought that was the Jonathan Taves show. 100. Yep. percent He was brilliant. Exactly. Dominic Kubalik as well. He was fantastic. Uh, Jonathan Taves is a player that I really like. I've always admired admired him uh, growing up. He he's people kind of think that he's fallen off, but if anything, he just hasn't gotten the media recognition. He's been one of the most underrated centers in the league in right. my estimation, for the past five to eight years. Yeah, and, we, we talked about that a bit, right? Yeah. We touched on that during the series. Um, obviously, Jonathan Taves was, I, I would say, overrated for a little bit, probably at the peak of his powers back in the 2010 to 2015 era when people started to associate him with Sidney Crosby. Right. His, who is the superior Canadian hockey player was always the question sort of back then. But I think that sort of shifted the attention to Jonathan Taves is not as good as Sidney Crosby, which like, I think we can all accept that and agree with that. But when you start going so overboard with the look how much better Sidney Crosby is, I think we sort of got into a discussion of Jonathan Taves is bad. And that's what people started to assume, right? It It went from one extreme to the other, but I think now, and this series showed it, Jonathan Taves is what he is. He's a good, solid, number one center he has been his entire career and he showed it in that first round series he was awesome yep i think and in, in the supporting cast obviously kubali played well brandon saw another guy who steps it up in the playoffs mm-hmm. um duncan keith could be a little bit better but even then he is he is getting old Corey crawford a bit of a question mark is 
he's sometimes inconsistent, but he has shown in the, in the past that he can get hot at the right time. So I'm happy for Chicago. I'm excited for Chicago. Chicago is one of my favorite teams, and I'm hoping they continue to run because that would be a cool story. Luke, anything you wanted to add on that? No. Okay. Moving on to the Eastern Conference, um, Montreal-Pittsburgh. Montreal, they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're really sad about that, I thought. Um, no, I was you cheering. can tell by the Canadians hat on. <laughs> yes, I was. I was uh, not. Che- I was cheering against them up until Game Four, and it was too close. And I was like, "All right, whatever." Uh, so, I think. Um, I, I, if we went back to the episode, I know I said it. I probably said it multiple times. It's not that I'm sure you guys agreed with me and maybe said it as well. But Carey Price had potential to steal steal that series, and he just did. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he went back and, to his 2014 level. He and actually everyone, did it. Everyone said like such a short series. Uh, you know, riding a hot goalie can do it. Um, and if anyone, if anyone's going to do it, if any lower seeds are going to knock off a higher seed, it's going to be Montreal. So. Yep, and it's funny because for that reason, Pittsburgh was actually one of the teams. I think Chicago was another one, not that it would affect them. That said, that of all the players that teams are scared to face moving to a five, a best-of-five series, it's Carey Price. And Pittsburgh was against that, and funny enough, they had to face them. So um, I thought Carey Price played exceptional hockey. I think he's on a mission, and again, in short series, he showed what he can do. Um, at the same time, uh, Crosby was – Crosby, he was unbelievable. Evgeny Malkin looked terrible the first two games – when people said, oh, Gino's getting mad, I was actually nervous because we know what an angry Gino can do. But he was invisible for the rest of the series. Um, your guys' thoughts on the series? Either of you. Sorry, I had my mic muted there because my dog is eating. I was waiting for Luke to jump up. I don't know if you guys can hear that. <laughs> I've, I've said what I've had to say. He's having a nice meal right there. But, yeah, I think, Pat, uh, we did talk about it. We said Carey Price maybe has that potential, even though he hasn't had – uh, the greatest last couple of years, but he actually went back to the 2014 level. It was unbelievable. I think Pittsburgh, there's going to be a lot of changes that are going to have to be made there. I think uh, Jim Rutherford sort of has recognized that already in his uh, post playoff exit interview there with the media. Evgeny Malkin, I think has really quieted down like the past couple of playoff series. We remember the Penguins were swept last year by the New York Islanders pretty much went out without a whimper and the same thing this year, it just felt eerily similar. And that's pretty shocking considering the fact that this was a team that went back-to-back Stanley Cups just a few years ago, three-time Stanley Cup champions in Crosby and Malkin. It's pretty shocking to see how the mighty have fallen almost. Do I think they're going to trade one of Malkin or Crosby? Absolutely not. But I think Jim Rutherford is correct. There needs to be some restructuring there. And I think we're going to get into that, that he's let go of the three assistant coaches, uh, Sergei Gonchar, Mark Recchi, and I forget who the third one is. Jacques Martin. Jacques Martin, former Senators coach. And I think Jim Rutherford, though, is this is sort of like a job-saving move for him, trying to get the coaching staff going, maybe retool the roster, because I think he's equally at fault for a lot of the flaws on the Pittsburgh roster, giving out some bad contracts. He's made some questionable acquisitions and, it's it started to add up on Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins, I will credit Jim Rutherford. So Jacques Martin, Sergei Gonchar, Mark Ricky, all gone. I don't know what all of their roles are. I know Jacques Martin was in charge of the D. Um, Jacques Martin always been a sort of old school defensive coach. Oh yeah. How much you can blame on Jacques Martin when you have Jack Johnson playing so much? <clears throat> uh, I don't think is that fair. But again he said and every single year he says our goal is to win the stanley cup and we will do everything in our power to do that 
And we saw this year, bringing in Jason Zucker, a veteran and Patrick Marlowe, something he does consistently. So I think it's good because not a lot of GMs, or maybe it's just Mark Bergevin who is, doesn't say he wants to win a cup, but uh, Rutherford has made that his goal every single year to get the most out of the Crosby-Malkin era. So that's a good move. It's a good start. I don't think you'll see Mike Sullivan fired. I like Mike Sullivan. I think he has a yeah, good system running good in Pittsburgh. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I like the move from Jim Rutherford. I think shaking things up is good. Because yeah. honestly, Pittsburgh didn't look good at all. And, you know, I think Jim Rutherford's lucked his way into Pittsburgh still being good this year. You look at some of their players here. John Marino was excellent this year in his rookie season. 23-year-old defenseman came out of nowhere, emerged as one of the top four defenders on that team. He was excellent all year. That sort of just fell into their lap. Uh, Somebody like Teddy Bluger also, like really solid. And Brian Rust continued to emerge, and he was an offensive force for them all year. And then, obviously, we look down here. We're on their cap friendly here. Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. While Murray was a bit shakier this year, you had Tristan Jari step up and become an all-star goaltender. He was awesome all year. And a lot of these pieces have fallen into Pittsburgh's lap. And it's a shame for that organization, that fan base, that they haven't been able to capitalize on that because they've been gifted all these good players on top of what they already have. And yeah, they when, weren't able to when did uh, When did Matt Murray sign that contract? Uh, I believe that was uh, after the second Stanley Cup they won. It was a couple of year extension. I can look at it here. No, that's okay. I was just wondering because that's um, he seems underpaid. Yeah, he seems wondering. like somebody that's going to be on the move. I would think. I that, I would think they're going to go with Jari longer term. Yeah. Uh, Matt Murray had a nine nineteen save percentage in fifty games in twenty eighteen nineteen, but fell all the way back down to an 899 in 38 games this year. So really confusing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Drop off. But I could see him as somebody that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to try and move in the summer. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Pittsburgh. Obviously, they're, I think they're going to make some more changes. I think this is honestly just the beginning. Uh, as far as that series goes, as much as there is talk about Carey Price stealing it, I think um, credit to Montreal's younger players who've been the only few bright spots when their veterans have essentially disappeared. Uh, Luke is rolling his eyes, but I'm sure Nick can probably be a little bit more objective here and acknowledge that Nick Suzuki and his break Kakanyemi shutting down Crosby and Malkin uh, was pretty exciting, especially uh, given their age and how well they played. They've been the bright spots in this series. So you think Kakanyemi is better than Crosby then? That's basically what I'm saying, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, before we uh, – Nick, anything you wanted to add? Nope, I'm all okay. good on that. Uh, one last thing just regarding that series. Uh, Montreal announced today Julian or um, Shea Weber and Mark Bergevin at the media. Claude Julian was rushed to the hospital via ambulance last night, had some chest pains. They disclosed that it was not COVID-related, um, which is good, but he will be out for the remainder of the series. So Kirk Muller will be taking over the role as head coach. Unfortunate news. It's yeah, just, just series, right, not playoffs? Series, so I thought I saw playoffs somewhere. As okay. far as I know, it's just series, so we'll see how that goes. I'm Either way, just got to hope for health for Claude Julian. Hope everything becomes better. Yep, exactly. So moving on to uh, another series in the East, uh, one that I think, given the teams we share for, we probably have the most thoughts on this one. Uh, that is the Toronto-Columbus series. So Toronto rallied back from a quite a deficit uh, with less than five minutes left. And the expectations were for them to come up flying the following game, but they really, lost. I, ha- I hadn't heard about any of that <laughs> anywhere. No, no, that was all over. That was all the media was talking about. So uh, Columbus beat Toronto. 
Uh, Keefe was outcoached, in my opinion. Toronto was outplayed. I think the Leafs and Leafs fans underestimated how good of a system Columbus plays, how well guys like Bjorkstrand and Wenberg can play, and Columbus won. Pretty funny. Like, it's 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 pretty funny. It just it happens every year. Uh, I I think... I think Toronto, like they're especially where we are, they're just so overhyped and there's so much pressure on them. I feel bad for the players. Like media perspective. So much, I feel like, bad for these guys, but yeah, it, like fan perspective, like it's it's, uh, it's fan hilarious. perspective, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like, it's, at this it's just point. of course like of course it happened. Um I I don't I don't think Toronto needs to blow anything up. I think there are some moves that need to be made. Uh, I think I, I I wouldn't even really pin the loss on anyone. Uh, I do think Mitch Marner is overpaid. I want to get that in there big times. Um, the only the only guys on that team that I would say like uh, I I forget how I worded it, but give a blank check to our Austin Matthews and John Tavares, under the assumption Tavares knows he's not you know worth as much as Matthews, but. Everyone else, like Nylander, Nylander had a really good year. Um, still think maybe he's, I wouldn't say overpaid, maybe a bit overhyped in this market. Uh, and they need to, they got like, they got to figure out their defense. Uh, you're with that, with the defense they have, um, I, like I, I, you'd be crazy to expect them to actually go anywhere, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Kyle Dubas is a good GM. And I, I'm pretty sure I praised him on the show before and I praised him to you guys and, some people we know that are, you know, that like the Toronto Maple Leafs and all that, but I can't get over it. I, he does need to shoulder a lot of the responsibility for this. In my opinion, I know it, Leaf fans are really interesting because it's either you're one way or the other, either you despise Kyle Dubas and the movements uh, the movement towards analytics and uh, more statistical analysis from the Toronto Maple Leafs head office. And you hate all that or you absolutely love Kyle Dubas and there's nothing he can do that's wrong. You really, really trust him. I think it's completely in the middle right now, though. I think Dubas has made good moves to try and better the team. Uh, Bringing in Jake Muzzin was a really good move. He finally did solve the backup goaltending problem, bringing in Jack Campbell towards the end. He's brought John Tavares to this team. That was all him. But he needs to take responsibility for... A, not solving the backup goaltending problem sooner than he did, because if you look at it, the Leafs would have played somebody worse than Columbus had he gotten more standing points from a backup goaltender. Like, we have to think how many standing points Michael Hutchinson cost them down the stretch. And we look at that defense, and while they did allow less chances and they were better than last year, Cody Ceci averaged 20 minutes a night with this team. I cannot understand, and I tweeted this out after they were, they were eliminated, and I've told you guys this. I cannot fathom the arrogance, and I will call it arrogance, to acquire your provincial rival's worst defenseman, pay him. They could have let him walk, mind you. He, they could have not tendered him a contract, dumped Zaitsev and Brown on the Senators, and walked away from CC completely. But they tendered him a contract, and they played him. 20 minutes a night. I can't even begin to fathom what on earth Kyle Dubas was thinking or what Sheldon Keefe and Mike Babcock were both thinking with Cody Ceci. I don't understand it. And you look at it, he then 
stapled to Morgan Riley for the entire season, drag down Morgan Riley's value. Like, I don't understand it. It's one of the most peculiar decisions I think that's been made in the NHL in a long time. On Dubas, I think, um, and this, uh, all credit, where credit's due, this isn't my idea, but um, I think up until this year, he had pretty much total control over this team. Um, I would say after this playoff or play in exit, uh, not so much. I think I think there's going to be some some other um, minds getting involved instead of just the the Kyle Dubas show. Yeah, he's on thinner ice now, that's for sure, Pat. I don't know no, I wouldn't say like dangerously that. thin, but definitely no, not dangerously thinner. thin. But obviously, I think there's a bit yeah. more cause for concern in the Leafs market. Uh, yeah, I think this. I think uh, I agree completely with what you said about. Dubas and, and Babcock and someone like that they're so split on him a lot of I see a lot of these fans crediting Lamorello saying that he's the reason and that they let him go and he's why the Islanders are having success even though I'd credit most of that to Barry Trotz but at a certain point I have to realize that this team this is an overrated hockey team they're a good team they have fantastic players but they're overrated someone like Morgan Riley is absolutely dreadful defensively we can see here um he's an offensive Cody Cece, like, yeah that's what he is Cody Cece so what I've noticed and what happens every single time the Leafs play piss poor hockey is they always sort of argue which of the big four to move. And I agree completely with Luke. I think Mitch Marner is overrated and I think he's overpaid. I think Nylander, someone I'm a big fan of on the Leafs. I love the way he plays, but I do think he is a little bit overrated in this, in what other people think he can do. Um, I would say that Matthews and Tavares were the only two that showed up in that series and played some of the best hockey um, but I've seen that Matthews is unreal, someone who yeah. struggled defensively. Really, He has been the last game. couple of playoff runs. Like, you cannot pin any of this on Austin Matthews. Yeah, exactly. So looking at their defense, because that's been the issue, even when you add Muzzin, even when you add uh, someone like Tyson Berry, whose expectations were obviously higher and higher for him. Yeah. Terrible. But, that, that experiment did not work. That's another thing Dubis needs to be held accountable, accountable for. The yeah. Kadri deal for Kerfoot and Berry mm-hmm. blew up in his face. Kerfoot's good, but – Barry was horrendous, like that. Yeah, kindly putting it, he was horrendous. exactly. So, so some of this, I think, some of the changes to their blue line will happen rather organically. I think you're going to see. Obviously, CC will not be there. Uh, Tyson Barry, obviously, I'm assuming they're going to let him walk. Rasmus Sandin, I know these fans are hoping will step in. So, some changes are going to need to be made. But at the same time, you have to move some pieces because you can't. I think people sort of saw Pittsburgh's cups and saw them as. Well, they had serviceable defensemen, but they had enough offense to back it up. I don't think that's the case with Toronto because I don't think their forwards are good enough defensively to have uh, weaker players on defense. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I think I don't think I wouldn't I wouldn't blow it up. That's for sure. But you have to acknowledge and admit defeat in a way, and, and acknowledge that this team isn't that good as people think, and they need to get better defensively. They need to play more mature hockey, and they need to. Uh, you know, start getting together some wins. Cause it's not even funny at this point, even for us who like to make fun of the Leafs, it's getting to the pretty point funny. Where we, it is funny, but it's almost <laughs> like, it's funny, but it's also like, we're so used to it now. They can't seem to figure it out. All right. So, so yeah, honestly, honestly, I just think, uh, <laughs> that was so, what were you saying that? <laughs> so yeah, so that I was saying, no, I, I just think at a certain point, people need to tamper expectations for what they expect with this team, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, defensively, especially defensively, actually, mainly defensively. And they need to figure it out. They need to play some better hockey. Uh, Keith was outcoached, as I mentioned. John Tortorella, John Tortorella I thought, was uh, unbelievable. So um, I think it's just an overrated team. And I think they just suck. Yeah. And Now, keep in mind, I will give them 
they were a little unlucky in terms of shooting. I think they shot 2% at 5v5. But, you know, we can't blame bad luck every single year that they've lost. You know, for both Boston series – for the Washington series, it was we're too young. Uh, for both Boston series, I think it was, oh, but Kadri got suspended. And then this year it was, oh, we're unlucky. Them, yeah. We, yeah. we couldn't score at 5v5. Like, yeah. Eventually, excuses for losing like it's so stupid. Every obviously, credit, every single Columbus. like every yeah, single team Columbus. that loses yeah. is gonna have an excuse. There's there's gonna be and like they're real excuses, but you lost for those yeah. reasons. It's not right. like oh we won, but we didn't because of this. Yeah. It doesn't really count. Like of right. course it counts. You lost yeah. because of that. You it, lost it, because you were too young with the you shooting talent they have. Because you know, got they should suspended. be able yeah. to outplay sometimes a hot goalie like Corpusalo and they even got lucky oh, we didn't even Merce talk Leakins about that he was so good game. he was well, unbelievable we'll get to Corpusalo in a second because that one that brought me to another point is what some people are saying that Corpusalo's 85 saves and all that stuff that sort of shows that the Leafs ran into a hot goalie it's like okay that's that's sort of a fair argument but when you're, you're spending that much on the cap to to star players whose only job is to score you can't just say, well, hot goalie. It's like, no, you're, you're paying these guys a lot of money. They have to score. Yeah, it, And when you and score when that you, few goals in that series, you have to blame those players. Right. And when to. you don't do that, it, it just points out to the overall flaw of Toronto's model. Again, they rush to draft as many good offensive players as they could, which is fine. But they have done not enough to build a good defensive core. And Frederick Anderson has had a habit now of – you know, giving up soft goals and make or break games and big players just don't show up in the big games and the couple of game sevens and this year in game five, it's, you need more from that team. They're capable of more, whether or not they eventually hit that, it's all on them. It's all on them as far as I'm concerned. If you guys are in charge, who do you see, who do you think they're going to move? Who do you think they should move? A lot of people seem to be criticizing move their Martyr. bottom. Move their, Martyr for defense. Their their bottom their bottom six. I think their bottom six is okay. I thought Kerfoot played well. Um, Nick Robinson, I thought was a little bit underwhelming given the well, fact that he was. Give him some. Slack. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. and, and I'm not. I'm not discrediting. Hey, there was a lot his of hype. Play. A lot of hype but, for him. But that yeah, was that's not his. That's not his fault. No, it's not no, no, fault. no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not blaming him. And I, I like Nick Robinson as a player. I think that was a steal of a Good pick. But day. for the hype around him. Um, is it a bottom six issue, a defense issue? Who do you guys see moving? Defense, if one of the defense, big four is defense, moved, defense. who would you? It's all got to be, all their movement has to be based on improving their defense, whether it's yeah. letting players go or trading away players and bringing in other talent. It's all going to be focused on upgrading their defense. I can't see Dubas, as good of a GM as he is, I can't see him having the gall to pull the trigger on trading one of the big four. I just can't see him doing it. I don't think he's that gutsy to make he that must, big of a deal. He must know that Marner's contract sucks. Like, he must know Well, that. exactly. And that's that's been Dubas's one big falling point in Pandering. his entire tenure as GM. He has botched several contract negotiations, I think. I think he could have gotten all these players less expensive. And while they may be worth the money that they're getting, I think again, you, have to look at, you just have to look at teams like Boston who have the capability of getting all their younger players on good salary. And that's just... Dubas just simply didn't have that command at the negotiation table or whatever it is. Yep. But, I, think, I think in a way he sort of pandered to the younger players, right. giving them what they want, giving them a blank check. And I don't think you can do that as a GM. Right. And there's, yeah, it, it just points to fundamental problems with how the team is built. But like I was saying, uh, we got off topic there, but 
any move they make has to be focused on addressing the defense. I, they have a backup goalie now. I'm pretty sure Campbell's under contract for at least next year. Uh, Frederick Anderson still has one year left, and that's going to be another big point for them. Like, what do they do in a year from now when Frederick Anderson is up? Because will they be able to resign him? They're going to have to trade it. I think, think more likely we're going to see players like Kapan and Janssen dealt to free up some cap space. I think players, I think teams would take those players. They're both solid, probably expendable to Toronto. You can probably have Nick Robertson, somebody like him, play the role of either one of those two. So, yeah, there's there's going to be moves that are made. I don't think it's going to be one of the big four. It'll more likely be depth, in my opinion. All right, Luke, anything else you want to add before we close well, things I up have, here? I have been as vocal as I'd like to be about the Toronto Maple Leafs today. So now we get to watch other teams and not hear uh, all about the Leafs for a little bit. That'll be a nice change. So um, that's going to do it for us here. Another episode of Take the Take. This is what, episode 26, I think? Yep, something, something like that. that. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you later.